<laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Maddie Taus. I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Station. I get to lead us into this brand new teaching series called Worship Matters. Before we do, though, I want to talk to you about another opportunity to worship that's coming up this Saturday, the 19th at 4 o'clock here at the station. We're going to be hosting one of our Life Fest celebrations. A Life Fest celebration, if you've never had the opportunity to be part of it, is where we celebrate together baptisms, those people who are ready to be baptized as followers of Jesus Christ. We celebrate really nothing as much as we celebrate that. And if you want to spend your time doing that alongside us, we would love you to do that this Saturday at 4 o'clock right here. If you yourself desire to be baptized as a follower of Jesus, we would love to get in contact with you and kind of get you ready for that if you wish to. You can find one of our yellow connect cards. They're out by the sound booth here, welcome station. You grab one, a name and a contact detail, and one of our pastors will be in touch with you this week. But like I said, today's week one. It's week one of Worship Matters, and every year for the last few years, we've taken January to go back to something very foundational about loving God and loving people. This year, we want to try and get a grasp on what worship means and why it matters so much. Because you say the word worship, and already all of our life experiences, some of maybe our prejudices, some of our biases, some of our good experiences and negatives come into what we construct as what worship truly means. Now, for us to be able to get to grips with it as we walk through it this series, as we walk through it for the next month, I want to try and, without oversimplifying, summarize what worship means to us here at Epiphany. Worship is the inward and the outward. It's the expression of a loving devotion. It is honor. It is reverence. It is delight. It is commitment. That's what we mean when we say worship. Really, we mean love. And when we say love, we mean that sort of love that's linked, that's, that's connected, that's going to be there. So as we try and understand worship matters, or as we try and talk about what it means to, to give, to serve, to sing, I want us to understand worship fundamentally is something that God pointed out, something that God said was going to be important with our relationship with Him. In very early days when He first called a community together, He gave them some instructions of what life needed to be like for us to experience life well. In Deuteronomy 6, he pulls a community of people together and gives them this fundamental instruction. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This is pretty much the greatest commandment, the greatest instruction that's ever been given. And it's all surrounding how we relate to God in love and in worship. And this month... I want to ask you to answer some questions of what it would look like if we actually did this. If we actually did this whole loving God with all that we have, heart, soul, and strength. What it would look like for you to take your body and and your, your energy, your capacity to do things, and you used all of it to worship Him. What it would look like to take your mind and your thoughts and your desires and your goals and allow them to be maybe shifted, maybe changed, maybe be completely renovated to worship Him with your mind. What it would mean to worship Him with the heart, with, with passion, with devotion. What that might look like when it comes to music, what it means when it comes to money and time and all that you have so that you give Him all that you have. We want to understand more and more about worship, and if we're going to understand that more and more, we need to understand God more and more. So no matter really where you're starting this morning, you might be in here, and this is you, like, 
totally worshipful. Everything is just perfectly packaged and all sent off towards God. If is that you, please hand in your resume. I would love to hand everything over to you to lead Epiphany because you'd be better at it than I. Some of us are in here and we've made the conscious decision, no, I, I, I don't love God. I'm here because maybe I'm checking this thing out, but I'm certainly not worshipful. Others of us, this is a time of year where we struggle with having focus, with having priority, with being able to love God and love people. No matter where you're at, what I promise you the very least is if you don't dip in and out, if you don't switch off, our conversations are going to help us understand what it means to worship and what our part is and what makes worship truly matter. Now, to do that, we've got to do something a little bit brash this morning. We've got to kind of rip off the band-aid or even maybe worse, rip off the covers on a cold winter morning and look at the ugly, ugly side underneath of worship. Because not all worship is good. And we know that not all worship is good because God says not all worship is good. We don't want to be coy about this. We don't want to be misguided. There are some forms of our worship that God hates. Through one of his prophets, a guy called Amos, he spoke these words. I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Now, this is pretty intense the declaration that some worship he hates. But I don't want you to miss what I've also equipped you with here, what God is equipping you with. If you happen to be next to somebody whose volume of worship is extending beyond their talent, you can go to them with verse 23 and say, biblically, move away from me with your noise. I'm not saying that I have personally been challenged with this verse, but I'm sure someone has. In the history of all Christianity, someone's had this used. But God seems to have this very special place for false worship. And it seems to be that he hates it, that he just absolutely downright despises it. Show, pretense, hypocrisy, all the things that take any worship that might be directed for him really makes it about us. At that point, all the money you could give in the world, all the hours you could serve, all the things you could build with facilities and ministries, all the songs you could sing and the fervent prayers you could shake out mean nothing mean absolutely nothing because the basis of our worship is a selfish attitude. And all of our worship has the potential to be pulled in by this. this. This vortex, this maelstrom that can just bring down any of the most beautiful expressions of worship and make them mean nothing. When we only do it to be recognized, when we only do it to be seen, when we do it to have fun because it feels good, when we do it because it's about me, we take worship that matters and we make it worship that's meaningless. We take any inspiration we might have to love God and we make it more about loving me. And that, that's not love for God at all. There's this fantastic uh, Jewish rabbi by the name of Abraham Tversky. He has this great quote of this interaction he had with a young man who was eating a plate of fish, which I assume from the story you'll hear later on uh, isn't walleye because he said he liked it. And he's eating fish, and the, and the rabbi comes to him and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm eating fish. Why are you eating fish? He responds, because I love fish. The rabbi follows that up by saying, you love fish. You love it in the way that you take it from its home. You kill it, you cook it, and you eat it. You love fish. He goes on to use that as an illustration of how so much of our love is fish love. It stinks. 
Because it's, it's about feeding our appetite, what we want, out of a relationship. We see it in romantic relationships, and we also see it in our relationship with God. And God calls people out. He calls all of us out. He calls us to account to basically say, look, there is a particular focus to worship, a reason for it, and it is not you, and it is not I. And this is why we read that the Lord our God is the Lord alone, and to Him we must worship and love with all heart and strength and soul and mind. He calls us out again and says, look, There is a result of worship. There is a reason I want you to do it that's not even just for my worship, but something that can happen because of it. And it's not for your good. It is so that you would be able to flood your community with justice. That you would be able to live endlessly in righteousness, and that would come through you. Like If we were to boil it all down, and I think it changes over time, our views towards what worship means towards God move from being this fish love, and it can move towards authentic worship. But when it is more like fish love, I think that's why sometimes we don't feel so close to God, because the worship was just about me and what I felt I needed. And when we look around, maybe... Maybe we're not living lives of endless righteousness, and maybe our communities aren't flooded with justice because we've really frozen it over. The waters aren't flowing anymore because worship isn't flowing anymore. And our challenge through this series and our challenge laid out by God is, what's it going to take to thaw that attitude? What's it going to take to to thaw that cold heart that sees this to be all about me? How's it going to change? What decisions are we going to make? Are we going to make worship matter? I believe God has done everything he can possible in your lifetime, the generation before you and for millennia before you, to help us understand what is worth worship and what is not worth worship, what is worth and can be trusted with our love and what cannot. And all the time, he's tried to make it as simple as humanly possible. It is he, the Lord our God, that deserves our love and our worship because he loves more than we love. Because he carved out justice and righteousness for us to experience. Only so that we could experience pieces of him. Only so that we could then turn it back into worship. God desires real worship. Worship that matters is is real love. Upper love love. Not like love because we're on vacation or at the same camp together. Like not love you for the summer. Love. You've probably learned this by now, and sometimes we learn it the hard way and the dumb way, because we're usually hard-hearted and dumb. Real love can be faked, and it can be mocked, but the moment you experience it, you know it to be different. Real love is commitment. Real love is me and you forever. Real love is sacrificing everything else for it. When we're called to sacrifice in our romantic relationships, it can make some sense. But often we don't look at how sacrifice is so necessary in our devotion and our worship to God. It's why the Apostle Paul had to speak to it. It's why he wrote about it. It's why he said to the church, look, I'm begging you. I beg you to give your body over to God because of all he has done for you. Let it be a living and holy sacrifice that he'll find acceptable. This, this is truly the way to worship him. That's the way to worship him, by giving things up, by living in holy sacrifice, that you would put everything else to one side to make him what matters to you, what matters most, to give up all 
for all that he's done, to be able to put it into his care, that he's the only one worth doing that with, so that you can actually then receive results in your growth and in your life that are unattainable without this form of worship. He goes on to say, look, you needn't be like the world, conforming to habits and behaviors. Instead, you can be transformed. You can be made completely new by the way that you think. God can shift all that because then you will learn to understand what his will for you is, what your purpose for breathing is. And that, that's perfect. And that is pleasing. The results of worship are to be changed through our worship to submit more of what we think we know, to submit more of me, to make it more like him. And this is a time of year when millions of resolutions are being made and like 80% of them are broken by the 13th of January. Lots of these small decisions of, oh, I'm going to change this about me. The greatest decision that ever could be made is, I'm going to change everything about me. And not only am I going to make the decision to have it change, I'm going to empower, I'm going to let, I'm going to receive God who wants to make that change in me. I'm going to allow that to happen so that I can then be made able, made capable, made empowered to live righteously, to live well, full of love, so that I can then be steered towards, bent toward, prone to justice more than anything else. And in that environment, I can see what it means to live like God, to be like him, to have his heart, not just for me, not just for him, but for those around me too. God has expectations about our worship that he tries to make as clear as possible. He has promises of what that worship means and results of what will come. The question we're faced with always is, what will we do? How will we respond to this call to worship? Now, every week at Epiphany Station, we have what we call a next step. It's, it's really a challenge to make sure that our conversations don't just become conversations that by 11.30 this morning are forgotten but something that we can take with us to challenge ourselves with, to see if we're actually going to do anything about this whole loving God, loving people thing. And this series is no different. In fact, this series, we're actually going to have each, every one of your next steps build upon the last one. And it starts with this very simple seeming question. What matters? When was the last time you took the time to answer that question? What matters? What truly, genuinely really matters to you? If you took the time this morning, if you walked out of here, aside from me just being horribly offended, and you took the time to ask yourself the question, what matters to me? What would you come up with? If I was to challenge you to do it today, on your own, with someone else, doesn't matter, but to do it, what would be on the list? We've given you some space in your program under the next step to make a list, a real list. If I was to look at my calendar... If I was to look at my finances and where the checkbook's going, if I was to look at my time and what I'm singing praises about, what am I actually worshiping? What is, what is the greatest intent and draw towards what matters to me? Be objective. Make that list. Ask other people, what do you see me devoted to? And then next to that, in a color of your choosing, write the list that you want to see. Like really, what do you want to be top dog? Have other things crept up there that you don't want to see there anymore? Do you want to change it out for something that's more important to you? Hey, that might even be God. You might want God to be number one. And if he's going to be number one, what needs to step down? What needs to come out of the way so he gets your focus, your time, your love, and your worship? There's no better time than this for us to understand, to re-embrace the greatest intent for our purpose and existence is to find this place where we love him 
and worship him with all that we have. God has given us that opportunity and that offer for our good, to make our lives significant, to make them matter, to make our worship matter, that brings him glory, that gives us purpose and peace. Filling our lives with justice and righteousness, allowing loving God and loving people to grow exponentially. All of that sits there in front of you. So don't allow yourself to go this week without making an inventory. What truly matters to me and what do I want to matter to me? In a moment here, we're going to continue our worship as we engage in a family as something that's called communion. Now, depending on your experience with what communion means to you, you might see it as just a thing churches do or a ritual, but to us, it's worship. It's worship because it reminds us of why we worship and why we even get to worship. The first communion that was ever taken was an act of worship. It was to remember what Jesus Christ was about to do for his beloved, before his friends, for his family. So when we take communion, yeah, we, we eat some bread and bread that pretends to be bread that's gluten-free. And then we drink some juice. But we don't just drink juice and we don't just eat bread. We do those two things to remind us of the body and of the blood that God was willing to sacrifice so that we can worship, so that we can be changed, so that we needn't fall away into insignificance, but so that we can come close and do something that matters. And before you entertain taking communion this morning, because I think we should all stop and ask, should we take communion? Not just a thing that we do. I want you to think of these questions. Do I want God to matter to me? Do I want to make him matter? Do I want to make my worship matter? Do I want to live sacrificially, putting more of me to one side and more of him in a place of priority? If, if the answer is yes, and really only if the answer is yes, then communion becomes worship. Communion becomes glory to God when we do it. And if you don't feel like you're at that point, please don't feel like you have to for pretense or for show. Please don't feel like you'll do that for appearances. That, that's not what we want to encourage. Know that there won't be any judgment if you don't. What we do here at Epiphany is we have uh, the bread and the juice in the corners of the stage. You can head up the middle. You can grab them on the corners. You can head back down the sides. And then we encourage you to take that time with God. And this morning would be a very good time to have conversations of priority. Conversations with him about what truly matters to him and what would matter to you. Once everyone's really under time to take communion, our prayer team will be up front. During the last songs of worship, they'll be here to be able to pray with you if you desire to have anything prayed about and for, maybe it's what matters. Maybe it's priority. Maybe at this time of season, it's depression that you're struggling with and you need someone to come alongside you in prayer. Maybe it's your marriage on the rocks. Maybe it's finances that are coming crashing down. Maybe it's anything that you just need encouragement and support on. That's why these guys are here. That's their will and that's, that's their purpose and their worship too. For us, we worship this morning because we get to worship. We get to worship only because God has invited us to worship. We get to worship only because he was willing to sacrifice so we could worship. And we get to worship this afternoon and tomorrow and the day after only because we want to respond out of a life of now sacrifice in response to all that our God has done for us. We get to make our lives matter. We get to make worship matter. Please pray with me. Father God, we thank you that you are patient and you're generous. You give us time to understand and learn what a relationship with you means, what it takes, what it looks like. 
that you call us to worship and then you equip us to worship, you empower us to worship, you give us the desire to worship. So I ask that you'll do that with us this morning. You'll pull us along. You'll tell us where to start. You'll, you'll inspire us by who you are to lay our lives down in worship of you. God, we don't want to go on in pretense nor show. We don't want to stay stale. We don't want to be flat. We want to experience closeness. We want to see justice and righteousness lived out in our lives. So God, please don't let us leave here today without making it matter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.